episode 97 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. As you're listening to this, I'm probably either in a car or on a train on the way down to Florida for my second year running for a long-term stay for work down in the Sunshine State. I'm looking forward to it. Nothing changes as far as the podcast goes. It's going to still be every week. Um, So I'm excited to take the show again on the road in a way, at least for me, for another another, uh, summer. So I'm excited for that. The plan is to be down there till October or November. Um, So I'm excited for that. That's where I will be. Uh, That's another uh, thing to bring up as well, because this week's episode is being recorded two days before the post instead of one because of the fact that I'll be traveling for pretty much the entire day on Thursday uh, on the way down to Florida. For those that have followed the show for a while, I'm from the tri-state area. Um, I'm actually not going to fly down there because I'm going to be down there for longer than I was last year. I'm actually taking an auto train to get down there. First time doing this and uh, so I can have my car down there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, But anyway, that's why uh, there's a little bit of a difference with the recording this week. Um, And that's, you know, two reasons to bring that up. Number one, Knicks are playing Denver as we speak, so I will not be able to get you full thoughts on that game until next week because uh, this is the earliest, this is the best time I can record this. I can't record it on the Thursday because I will be traveling. So this will, you know, we won't get the full week of Knicks perspective until next week as far as the Denver game is concerned, but we'll talk about the, the Rockets game. We'll talk about the Memphis game. We'll talk about how, some other, you know, little stories on the side with the Knicks right now as well, which you haven't done in a while. It's been a while since we've, you know, gone into the gossip pool involving the NBA or the Knicks. So we'll talk a little bit into that as well. And then second half of the show, we're going to look into potential playoff matchups, not only for the Knicks, but the rest of the NBA as well. It's it's, it's getting close to that time of the year. It really, we're, we're right down the stretch here just a couple weeks away from the NBA playoffs. So I'm really excited. The Knicks are going to be there. They've almost, uh, I, I guess, well, it's weird. They, they've, from what I've seen, they've mathematically clinched as far as who's in the 11 spot, but I guess they're not going to award it because of, you know, mathematically with the way certain teams are still have, still have to play each other and things like that. I guess it's not a done deal, but it's essentially a done deal. The Knicks are going to be in the playoffs. I can't wait to see how they do. Obviously, Knicks just tipped off, by the way, about 30 seconds ago in Denver. So, the you know, I'll have a score update for you because I'll be, I'm watching the game as I'm doing the podcast in the corner here. So I'll have an eye on it, but I'm not going to have full thoughts on the game just because I got to record. Then I've got to travel on the Thursday. The podcast will again be out on the Fridays. It normally is, and it will continue to be as I'm down in Florida. But you know, just because of the crazy travel schedule I've got over the next really 72 hours uh, with, you know, games going on that I've got to do this weekend, uh, this is the best time for me to do it. And then it'll be back to the regular Thursday uh, recording Friday post moving forward as long as nothing changes with my schedule. So that's how it's going at the moment. Just want to give you that little snippet of housekeeping before we dive into the nitty gritty of this week's episode. So we start with the Knicks beginning the six-game road trip exactly as many had hoped that are pulling for the Knicks, obviously. Listen, this is obviously one of the toughest stretches of the season. I think if we had, 
you know, we were talking about this months ago. We thought by far this would be the toughest stretch the Knicks had this season. It eased a little bit because of the fact that the Clippers are still dealing with a little bit of injury problems, although they're getting healthier. The Lakers are still dealing with injury problems. So it doesn't look as bad as it did a couple months ago, but it's still a very tough stretch. It's why the Knicks really needed to come out of the gate strong in those first two games. Those were two big ones to get. We'll start with the Rockets game. Rockets are the worst team in the NBA. And that's one of the biggest things that's changed since we talked about this schedule three months ago. Rockets are terrible. And they, I mean, they had a 20-something game losing streak at one point. They at least got out of that. They blew up the roster. It's it's a shell uh, of the team that we, we thought we were going to see this season, to be honest. It was supposed to be a competitive team, despite all these, you know, movements with the Harden trade and, and other things. But Rockets are the worst team in the league, and I I think they're running out of time to change that at the moment. This, the Rockets have 16 wins and 49 losses. The only team that's anywhere near them are the Detroit Pistons, who have the worst record in the East, 19 and 47. So, listen, the Knicks needed to take care of business. This was a bogey game coming off of a really fantastic finish to a 5-1 and one homestand at Madison Square Garden. Knicks did just that. I, I I thought for maybe a split second in the first quarter that the Knicks weren't up for it, and they quickly dispelled that. Took a 10-point lead into the second quarter. Took a 15-point lead into halftime, and the Knicks not only uh, outscored the Rockets in every quarter, they pulled away late in the third and really never gave the Rockets a smell of it in this game. One quick thing I forgot to check before the show. I... I just want to, because again, this was this game was a few days ago. I think the Knicks um, didn't quite lead wire to wire because I know Kelly Olynyk scored the first bucket of the game for the Rockets. But basically, after Nerlens Noel gave the Knicks a five-three lead, I don't think. Uh, oh, so all right. So midway through the first quarter, the Knicks trailed by by three a couple of times. From that point on, the Knicks never trailed in this game. So from the six minute mark, seven minute mark, something like that. Um, so the, the biggest deficit the Knicks had in the game was a five point deficit, 15 to 10 with seven Oh four to go. And after RJ Barrett made a three with six twenty one to go to tie the game. And then Alfred Payton gave the Knicks the lead a couple minutes later, the Knicks never trailed. So from the five and a half minute mark in the first quarter till the final buzzer, the Knicks never trailed. So that, that was the kind of, that little spurt was kind of like, oh, you know, are the Knicks up for this? You know, can they, you know, get warm? Can they get going in this game? Rockets, by the way, 8-26 and 26 on their home floor this season. That is, I believe, the worst record in the NBA uh, for, a home, for a home team. So if not, it, it's right there. Um, so it's, it's a really, really poor showing uh, from Houston this season. Actually, I stand corrected. The Detroit Pistons at at home. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong record. So eight and twenty-six at home. Now it's confirmed. Houston has the worst home record in the NBA. The second closest is actually OKC, who are one game better. So apologies there for the slip. But that's one of those things. That's one of those things where you know the Rockets are not good anywhere, but specifically at home, they have one of the worst, in this case, the worst record in the NBA at home. Knicks took full advantage, 122-97. to It was the usual suspects, again, who really shined. 31 from Julius Randle, 7-6 and six assists. 
21 from R.J. Barrett. He had seven rebounds like Julius Randle did, five assists, two steals, double figures from Reggie Bullock, and then, of course, the amazing renaissance year for Derrick Rose continues. 24 points off the bench on 8 of 11 shooting. Incredible. He had four assists and six rebounds. Just remarkable. And he took a huge chunk of the load. Alfred Payton started but only played 14 minutes. And Derrick Rose was just fantastic. Taj Gibson actually had the best plus minus on the team, plus 36 with six points, five rebounds. He was fantastic defensively yet again. And Nerland's Noel continues to do the job down low as well. Had a nice dunk from Obi Toppin, two of his five points on the night. And on top of that, Emmanuel quickly chipped in with 13 as well with three trifectas thrown into the mix really with the with the Knicks defense in this game Houston really didn't bring a ton to the table offensively so that helped the Knicks but the Knicks still I I mean to be fair the Rockets had four players in double figures but nobody had more than 19 points and that's how you limit a team you know when a team like Houston's going through this bad of a stretch the only thing that gets them going is somebody really going off right that that's really the only way they get going. Nobody was that efficient from the field in a big way for the Rockets. Yeah, Kelly Olynyk had 17 and 10. He's not going to beat you if you keep him around those numbers. Christian Wood had 19 and 8 as well. Off the bench, not a ton either. Kenyon Martin Jr. had 13. Uh, Daquan Jeffries had 9. I mean, again, not a ton from Houston in really any department. And on top of that, you know, the, the Knicks forced 17 turnovers and took full advantage. Knicks were plus five in turnovers, only committed 12 themselves. So really efficient on both ends of the floor. Knicks well-deserving of a 122-97 win. A, a game that obviously, considering what's up ahead, Knicks already down 9-2, to two, by the way, early stages in the first quarter in Denver. Knowing how tough the Denver game is going to be as it stands right now, then you look at, you know, Phoenix coming up and then a double dip at the Staples Center with the Clippers and the Lakers. These first two were huge. You know, if we if you had told me, you know, three months ago that the Knicks would go two and four on this road trip, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Now the Knicks are, you know, they're getting they're trying to get greedy here. The Knicks really are hoping that maybe if they beat Denver, now you're hoping to maybe go above 500 on this road trip. Or if you fall to Denver tonight, maybe get a little revenge on Phoenix and then you'd be maybe happy with 3 and 3 or possibly 4 and 2 if you could split in the Staples Center. So, it, we'll have to see, but but it was a really strong start for the Knicks to, you know, get a winning streak going again first and foremost, but then on top of that to to beat a team they really should have beaten and you know, a team that, you know, has been just awful for most of the season. Knicks took full advantage in a 122-97 win and the defense did not let up. That's what's what you're going to get in a Tom Thibodeau style on the defensive end of the floor. And that's been one of the most impressive parts, I think, about this late stretch that the Knicks have been on, where they've won, what, 13 of their last 14, something like that. It's been incredible how consistent defensively this team has been. It really has shown in the latter stages how good this team is defensively. They're ranked at the top in a lot of the categories in the NBA because of that intensity that Tom Thibodeau brings to the table. 
So then the Knicks went to Memphis against a team that, you know, is still fighting, you know, for a playoff spot. This was the the second game where you thought, man, the Knicks could, if they could get this one, they'd be in really good shape. Memphis is in the playoffs as it stands in the play-in round. They have a three-game cushion on the Pelicans with not too many games left. So they're looking to hold off the Pelicans at the moment. They've only got a one-game lead, though, on the Spurs, who are in the 10th spot at the moment. And both teams now combined have lost six in a row. So that's going to get interesting in the West. We'll dive more into that a little bit later on. But you're looking at the situation now as far as it goes with the uh, with the Grizzlies pardon me I'm just looking at because I'm just looking at the full picture of, of, of Memphis this season they've been better on the road than they've been at home so it's a game where you go in there and you're thinking well the Knicks are playing really well you'd expect them you know to to give Memphis a lot of trouble and if the Knicks play the defense they're capable of playing Knicks could get a win here, and that's exactly what they did. A little bit of a chippy first quarter, not a ton to separate the two teams. Knicks then, in a really high-scoring second quarter, distanced themselves a little bit, despite maybe a little bit of a surge in the fourth from Memphis. Knicks were never really not in control. It was a really impressive, professional Knicks performance on the road in Memphis, dropping the Grizz to 500 on the season. 118 104 was the final again Julius Randle you know I know he's probably not going to win the MVP you know many many have already dubbed Nikola Jokic as the front runner for MVP with Joel Embiid just behind him although Embiid's been out a lot of games this year I don't think he's going to be able to get the nod if he keeps missing games but Julius Randle deserves a case I've been saying that for about a month and a half now that he deserves some MVPs thrown his way and he showed it again in memphis 28 points six rebounds six assists threw a steal in there as well not the most efficient game but he knocked down his free throws hit five of eight from three and despite not exactly getting his way inside made up for it by using his perimeter game to his advantage by the way four of the five nick starters in double figures taj gibson was a beast five blocks and 12 rebounds as a starter and Reggie Bullock again chipping in a couple of threes 13 points RJ Barrett had 15 as well Alfred Payton had 10 they needed him as well and despite you know looking through and not seeing Nerlens Noel obviously in that game and on top of that you're not getting a ton from Obi Toppin not getting as much as you'd expect from Emmanuel quickly. Alec Burks just getting back into the swing of things again. Nine points. Derek Rose came up huge again with 25 points off the bench. And he's just become the spark plug. 27 minutes off the bench. That role has fit him so well under coach Tom Thibodeau in this third stint that he's had him. It's been incredible to watch. And Nick's second leading scorer on the night made a couple of crucial plays in the third quarter and made big plays down the stretch for the Knicks. Obviously, you know, Grizzlies had some <laughs> had some problems to deal with on their side of things with Jenkins and John Morant both getting tossed, uh, as it seemed like a lot of the Grizzly players were getting frustrated down the stretch. Had the really cool buzzer beater from Julius Randle at the end of the first half, knocked down a three at the horn, give the Knicks momentum going into halftime. 
And, and listen, I think John Morant was just frustrated, you know, not only because his team wasn't playing well, but he wasn't playing well. John Morant finished 2 of 14 from the field for 8 points. And really, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and one of my favorite names from his college basketball days at K-State, Desmond Bain were the ones that really carried the load. Jaron Jackson Jr. as well was in double figures. 25 for Brooks, 13 for Anderson, 15 for Jackson Jr. Bain had 22 off the bench. You know, the Grizzlies really needed more from John Morant. I mean, that's the the big thing. Morant went 0-4 from 3. I can't remember the last time, and I, and I watched Morant live at the NCAA tournament in college and a few of his non, uh, excuse me, a few of his few of his conference tournament games geez gotta get it going here on the talking side of things but listen John Moran is very rarely inefficient from the field that's really what I'm trying to say here you rarely see him that off put from the field and the Knicks defense has a lot to do with that so it's one of those things where I think the Knicks have to be really happy with the way they played. They have to feel like they held a pretty solid Memphis attack in check. And listen, two times this year, the Knicks have played the Grizz. First time, it was a you know much high, more high-scoring game. But the Knicks' defense won out the second time, and the Knicks won both games. But really, that's the, the Knicks kind of outscored Memphis at the Garden earlier this year. On the road, it was the Knicks really using, again, that defensive swagger that they play with. That was the difference in the game. And, you know, obviously the Grizzlies bench, the coaching staff, the players, they got frustrated down the stretch because their star's not playing well. And on top of that, the Memphis Grizzlies have to win these games. Memphis has got to win to get in. You know, so that's the biggest thing. The Grizzlies can't really afford too many slip-ups down the stretch if they want to get into the playoffs. Grizzlies, by the way, last thing I'll say, and we'll talk more about them later, the Grizzlies were in a very similar position a season ago in the bubble and did not get in. They were the team that had the eighth spot for a long, long time last year and looked like they were going to get in. But when COVID hit and the bubble had to finish the season, the Grizzlies ran out of gas in the bubble. And it was the Blazers that took their spot. So... There's a lot on the line for Memphis down the stretch. Right now, they're they're in a must-win game against Minnesota. They're up 11 in the third, but Memphis has got to win these games. So that was why the frustration, I think, started to set in for the Grizzlies. They really needed that game. And the Knicks are obviously trying to not only solidify a playoff spot, but trying to get in good position for playoff seeding as well. And that was a big game for both teams. Knicks defensively kept their cool. And I, I thought we're very professional, specifically in the second half, and put a good Grizzlies team away on their home floor. So big 118-104 win for the Knicks. Made it three on the bounce, two in a row on the road. Really impressive. I thought that Memphis game was arguably even more important after the Knicks beat Houston because if you can get a two-game winning streak going into Denver, you feel good against a red-hot Nuggets team maybe you have a puncher's chance then against them because they're so tough at home. They've been one of the toughest teams to beat on their home floor all season in the West. They have a, a top four top four home record in the West this season. So it's been a really tough place to go. Knicks are struggling at the moment down 
18 to 6 with six minutes to go in the first half. Still early, but the Knicks are struggling a little bit from the field. So far on this road trip, I think the defense has ruled the day. And obviously the Knicks are going to be tested in Denver as we speak. And you guys will know the result when the podcast goes out. But for now, you know, going into that game, Knicks have got to feel very good about defensively where they're at. They've already got two on under their belt as far as the win column goes on this really difficult six game road trip. And they're getting closer and closer to not only officially putting themselves in the playoffs, but obviously trying to fend off others. When you look at that race for the sixth spot in the Eastern Conference. Good time to take a break here. Because when we come back, we'll dive in a little bit more Knicks news. A couple of flurries of stuff here and there. And then some playoff matchups. This has been the third week in a row. We'll talk about it. It's getting juicier and juicier each week. All that and more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show, let's do the Knicks news and notes first. It's been a while since we've done this. Not a ton to speak of as far as Knicks news and notes of late. But we start with the Knicks making a signing, believe it or not. Knicks getting a little out in front of the free agency period. Knicks get reportedly a four-year deal done with Spanish League point guard Luca Vildoza. According to multiple reports, Adrian Wojnarowski had it first. It's a four-year, $13.6 million deal. He plays in the Spanish ACB League, and he's 25 years old. MVP of the 2020 Spanish ACB Finals led Bosconia to the league championship, and he's also a member of the Argentinian national team. I saw a little bit of his highlights, actually, before I came on. The air, he's got a little bit of Manu Ginobili in him. A little bit of Manu Ginobili. It's very impressive to kind of watch him play on the ball. He's got a really nice crossover. There's a couple highlights of him with a you know, couple of nice fakes. He, he's got some skills, no question about him. Obviously, Knicks have had some good uh, stretches with Pablo Prigioni, who was a veteran at the time, back when the Knicks had their last good team. Prigioni was... You know, one of the working class heroes on that team. Um, there's no timetable for Vildosa to come to the United States. He's expected to join the Knicks ahead of the 2021-2022 season. And the final three years of the deal with the Knicks are non-guaranteed. That's according to SNY's Ian Begley. So it's interesting. It really is. And obviously Vildosa could be joining a very good Knicks team next season depending on what the Knicks do to bolster the roster during the offseason and with the way the Knicks are playing right now that obviously could lead to other guys saying hey I want to go there that'd be really really cool so we'll see you know obviously we're gonna have to see what happens moving forward but it's a really good time to be thinking about joining the Knicks and Luca Vildoza could be a part of what the Knicks are looking to do moving forward and could bolster that backcourt which could be very interesting what happens with him going into next season. So that's a little bit of you know news for down the road, looking a little you know far ahead. But that's next season. This season, uh, there's some stuff going around surrounding James Dolan. This was an article in the New York Post earlier today from Mike Vaccaro, who uh, does a really good job covering New York sports for the Post for the most part. And, you know, obviously... 
no one's been talking about James Dolan a lot with the Knicks playing well again for the first time in a while. Obviously, you know, the Rangers are going in the right direction for the most part as well. Um, but when you, you know, look at the whole of James Dolan's stewardship, many have brought up the the blunders, the mess, the missteps, the miscalculations, as Mike Vaccaro puts it. He's had the, you know, stuff with the tweets, uh, you know, tweeting out, you know, from him uh, about, you know, certain people in the workplace and the and, and stuff with Black Lives Matter didn't handle that well either and things of that nature. So just for some background and a little bit of clarity here, the big news actually of this story involves more of the Rangers than the Knicks, although this is still a Knicks story because it's, it's James Dolan and he owns both teams, obviously. But the Rangers abruptly fired team president, their team president general manager, essentially. So team president John Davidson and general manager Jeff Gorton both fired. So, you know, it, it basically Mike Vaccaro's point and, you know, Knicks fans that have really followed this closely will notice this. This is very similar to how James Dolan has run the Knicks in the past. So it's very interesting to see this because normally Jim Dolan has been very patient with the Rangers you know, uh, Glenn Sather was there for years before the Rangers actually were any good and, you know, got to the playoffs. It's, it's very interesting to see this almost, you know, reverse thing with the Rangers, you know, not doing as well as they did, you know, three or four years ago. Rangers, I think, were in a Stanley Cup, I think, four or five years ago, lost to the Kings in five games. So it's one of those things where, I just think that it's something to keep an eye on because Jim Dolan's made a lot of missteps with the Knicks. And now, you know, people are wondering, well, now is it going to change? Well, the Knicks get good. Are the Rangers going to get bad? Who knows? Are they going to not, you know, make the playoffs? It's, it's, you know, will they go on another run where they're really struggling? You know, is this, you know, too much of a trigger happy kind of move that we've seen with Jim, with Jim Dolan with the Knicks in the past? It's just a curious thing. It's a quick little story to bring up. It's not a huge deal. Moving forward, because you know, to be fair, most people probably don't want to hear this because the Knicks are doing well. But you know, we've we've said in the past, you know, does the success of the team come down to James Dolan or who he hires, really? And and obviously, it's we're splitting hairs at that point. He hires the people, so it does come down to him. But you know, how well those people do is out of Jim Dolan's hands at that point. Is basically what the you know, that's where the debate started to come up. So, and to be fair, I, th- I think, you know, yes, Jim Dolan has to make the decisions and he should be punished by the fans if he, if he messes up, but, and obviously for the other dumb stuff he's done, that, that some of that stuff is inexcusable, but there is only so much he can do. You know, at some point, you know, the people he's hired has got to do their job. And, you know, is this, you know, power you know, shifting a little bit at the garden from the Rangers more to the Knicks. It's an interesting underlying story that, you know, mostly is an, it's a New York sports thing. It's not really a national thing. It's a Jim Dolan thing. It's a, you know, because, and Mike Vaccaro makes a great point in his article, you know, in years past where the Rangers, you know, had announced they're going to go into a rebuild, which very rarely teams ever publicly say they are. They normally just do it and then you, you come along or you don't. 
Rangers fans bought in and they kind of gave the Knicks fans hope that oh, maybe he could do that with us and we can rebuild. And then now the Knicks have. The Knicks have rebuilt and they're a playoff team this year. And if they play their cards right this offseason, they could be a title contender. They really can be under Tom Thibodeau. It is very much possible that in a year or two, the Knicks could be in the hunt for a finals appearance. It's not out of the realm if the Knicks get a big move or two over these next couple of off seasons. It's, it's very much in that realm of possibility because that in the NBA, that's why the Knicks didn't get Durant or Irving last off season, or I should say two off seasons ago. Jeez. It's one of those things where it came down to, well, the Nets have a better core, you know? And there was, there was rumors that Durant was going to go to the Knicks, but it, it ended up being not, nah, he likes the core in Brooklyn. Could another star come around and say, you know what? I like what the Knicks are doing, and that, that's possible. And to be fair, Jim Dolan deserves some credit for that. I know I know people are not going to like that. I, I don't really like that, because I don't like what he's done with the franchise for a good chunk of the time he's been in charge. But Tom Thibodeau is there. Leon Rose is there because of Jim Dolan. So they, they, he, he will deserve some of the the congratulations if the Knicks go on a a really nice playoff run or build towards a potential run at a championship. So it's just interesting to see it from the other side. And obviously a warning that, you know, this is how Jim Dolan can go. He can go hot and cold with this stuff from time to time. So we'll see how, how it, how it goes moving forward. But that's just a little bit of a, a story that did touch the headlines around here this week. All right. So before we get out of here, I I do want to dive into some of the playoff matchups. And by the way, looking up stuff about this, you know, going through this for this week's podcast, the fact that I saw Steve Karnacki's face again, I don't know if I'm happy about it because it was, it was kind of funny or I'm just like, all right, enough. The election's over. Do we, do we really need to see Steve Karnacki at the board again? He was doing the NFL playoffs. That was funny. We all had a laugh. It was cool. He had a good time. You know what? Good for him. He was at a board doing something fun instead of doing political stuff that, you know, is boring and is frustrating. And maybe for him is cool, but you know, for the other stuff isn't or whatever. Well, I, I, I'm looking through the New York Post again. I'm looking through some other articles and he's there again. Steve Kornacki <laughs> with the playoff, you know, st- the playoff stats and who could play who and who's more likely to face who in the first round. And all. I'm like, all right, enough. We've seen him enough. We get it. The, it. It was funny. It's not funny anymore. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being a, a Bob bummer. Let me know your thoughts. I, I, I'm, you know, come on. I, enough. We don't need to keep seeing him, uh, you know, on the screens, letting us know, you know, with the amount of games left, who these teams could possibly face. You know, we can kind of, we kind of get the picture without knowing what the actual numbers are, but thanks anyway. Um, on a more serious note, you know, it's it's fun to, it, it's fun to look at what who the Knicks could possibly play. You know, it's one of those things where you know at, at this point, um, obviously, you know the Knicks are still trying to finish, um, you know, wrap up a playoff spot. They're very, they're getting very close. Uh, obviously, the Knicks have won twelve of the last thirteen. Knicks are by the way not looking too good in Denver right now, down thirty four to twelve with twelve minutes to go, just underway in the second quarter so but at the moment you know Knicks are trying to uh make it four in a row at Denver though it's not looking too good 
at the moment. Knicks are in the fourth spot. They've got a game and a half lead on Atlanta. So if the game, if the season were to end today, the Knicks would have the four seed and they would be facing Atlanta with home court advantage, by the way, in the first round. So that would be something that I would be very much looking forward to. Very exciting stuff. No question about that. I will say this, the Heat are only a game back. If the Knicks somehow play the Heat, full disclosure, I'm vaccinated. I'll be down there. I'm, I might have to fork over some money and go watch the Knicks play at American Airlines Arena, whatever they're calling that place now. I, I'm really, I'd be, I'd be more than up for a Knicks Heat first round series. I really would. I would really be up for that. Obviously, the Knicks now have a three game lead on the Celtics who are in the seventh spot now. Celtics have lost five of their last 10 overall. The road has not been kind to the Boston Celtics this year. I I know, and, and they're dealing with a little bit of injury problems. Obviously, the collision with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has hurt the Celtics a little bit over these last couple of games. They've been Jekyll and Hyde even when they've been healthy this season, the Boston Celtics. So it, it's really one of those things now where you start to think, you know, could you maybe want a, a, a Boston first round series if you're the Knicks? It's interesting, especially if you have home court. Again, to be fair to Boston, they're they're very good at home. They have the fourth best home record, or sorry, the sixth best home record in the Eastern Conference. So you'd hope that, you know, if you're Boston, if you get a first round series, you're hoping that it's at home. But I, I think the Knicks, if they were on, you know, if they had home court over Boston, I think they would take that in a heartbeat. I, I really do. Knicks have had some decent success against the Celtics this season. I, I think they would be all right with that. I think they take the Hawks as well. I think Miami would be a tough seven-game series. I think when you're looking at that four grouping of teams right there, Knicks have a five-game lead on the Hornets, who, by the way, do have LaMelo ball back, so they're a little bit more dangerous than they were about two weeks ago. But um, I think you would like to, if again, the Knicks are hoping to get the six seater above at this point they've got that three game cushion uh from boston the five game cushion from the hornets knicks right now would hope that they'd get home court advantage and if they do maybe against boston maybe against atlanta in my opinion worst case you get miami it'd be a really competitive series i think the knicks could beat any one of those teams in a seven game series and it would be very close because it could go either way i think any one of those series could go either way but the knicks would have a good shot at either one of them because the other thing right is who would be you know who'd you play next most likely uh if it you know goes the way it's going right now the knicks would probably play the sixers in the second round which would be a very tough series Knicks have not been able to beat the sixers and despite all the tight games this year so at the moment the sixers have regained the one spot they've won five in a row brooklyn's lost three in a row though the knicks have come close but yet to have beaten the Nets as well this year, no matter who of the big three for them has been on the floor. So I think when you look at the Knicks road here, I think you'd obviously hope for the sixth seed at worst. Then you would be looking at a first round series, most likely, because it could still change to be fair, because the Bucks have won three in a row, but you'd be looking at Milwaukee in the first round. And to be fair, I think the Knicks would give the Bucks a series. I don't think they'd beat them, but I think the Knicks could take the Bucks to six games. I really think they could make it difficult on Milwaukee so we'll we'll see you know it, we'll have to see how that goes down obviously Giannis would be a very difficult matchup for the Knicks to deal with but the Knicks have beaten the Bucks once with Giannis and once without Giannis so it's one of those things we'll, you'll, we'll have to see how it goes Nick, the Bucks will be tougher in the playoffs obviously if the Knicks 
uh, end up in that spot. But again, the Bucks could eclipse the Nets and get to the two seed, and then all of a sudden we could be looking at a Knicks-Nets first round series, or the Knicks stay where they are, and it could be a Nets-Heat first round series. That would not be great for the Nets. So it's very interesting, very interesting stuff. Um, at the bottom, it's not looking good for the Raptors. Bulls are pretty much out of it. They're four back with about seven to play we're looking at right now it's not looking too good for them raptors are three and a half back with about seven or eight to play they're running out of time the raptors lost again the other night they've been god awful on the road all season they got a few road games left i i don't think the raptors are going to catch the wizards wizards have won eight of their last 10 they won again the other night uh, after after falling they could catch the Pacers. I think it's more likely they catch the Pacers than it is that the Raptors catch them. So I think the 10 teams in the East are pretty much set. It's not statistically there yet, but the Knicks are very close to wrapping up a playoff spot, as are the Hawks. Heat not too far behind. Celtics are a little bit of, a little bit of, a, little bit of a trouble period for them right now, but worst case scenario for them is they'll be in the bottom four and being a a playing round i don't think they're they're not going to fall out of this thing so the bottom four is interesting celtics are there right now though the heat are only a half game up on them hornets are there but they're starting to find it again with Lamelo ball back in the lineup pacers have been a little all over the place all year i don't think they're going to move too much around from that nine spot i really as it stands right now i think they'd play the hornets i think that matchup probably happens whether or not it's, you know, Hornets hosting the Pacers or vice versa, I don't know. That That's still, it's only a game and a half difference there. So we'll see. Yeah, I think the Hornets could catch the Celtics, but then again, I, I could see the Heat falling into that spot. And then the Heat would have to worry about, you know, playing around potentially against a team in the Wizards who are getting hot at the right time. So I don't know. It's very interesting. It's the, the East could have some very, very fun first round matchups no question about that it's very exciting to see where the knicks could end up and where these other teams could fall as this season wraps up in the west how about this phoenix and utah are now tied at the top and actually one quick thing from the east i should mention the sixers are in shocker nets have also clinched and the bucks have won their division so those are the only three teams that have clinched a playoff spot in the east knicks are the next uh would be the next ones up obviously um and obviously if they win against denver tonight it's not looking too good knicks are getting blown out at the moment 50 to 24 with 733 to go in the second quarter and and, uh once again nikola Jokic is is absolutely carving the knicks open but for right now knicks would be in that four spot next uh to clinch potentially if they can get back on track obviously if this denver uh you know this denver loss holds up then the the hawks heat celtics hornets pacers wizards that's it stands as it stands at the moment probably going to be around those teams just depends on where they get seated in the playoffs in the west there's a lot still to figure out right now the suns and the jazz are tied 47 and 18 at the top suns have now won five in a row knicks play them again in their next road game Jazz have won two in a row. They're still at the top of the standings. They've both clinched a playoff spot. The Clippers have clinched. The Nuggets have clinched. And after that, there's a big drop-off. Then you look at the the Mavericks and the Lakers, who are tied at the five spot. 
Lakers are in the sixth spot on a tiebreaker at the moment. Lakers have, have lost seven of their last 10, and LeBron's hurt again. AD's still not quite there yet. And the Lakers only have a one-game lead on the Blazers for the seventh spot. Or should say for the sixth spot, to avoid the seventh spot. Lakers could fall into this playing round. And LeBron came out earlier this week and said, whoever came up with this playing round should be fired. Well, you might, maybe that's because you might not get out of that playing round if you have to play in it. My goodness. At the moment, if the Blazers were to eclipse the Lakers, it'd be a Lakers-Spurs first round series. While the Warriors, who are pretty much in, would take on the Grizzlies, who are trying to, you know, lock in a playoff spot at the moment. The one thing that could change here in a big way, though, besides the Nuggets and the Clippers, Jazz, Suns fighting for the one spot, and the Lakers and Mavericks trying to fend off the Blazers, the Pelicans are back in this thing for the 10 spot. Spurs have lost four in a row. Pelicans won the other night. They've won five of their last 10 in the right direction. The Pelicans are now just two back with seven games to play. And the Spurs all of a sudden are peeking over their shoulders and are not so secure in being in the NBA playoffs. So the the Pelicans have rallied here and the fighting Stan Van Gundys are not quite out of this yet. Now, the Kings are the only other team that's got a shot. They've won three in a row, but that big stretch where they lost a ton of games is likely going to come back and haunt them. To be fair... They're two and a, or I guess at this point, they're three and a half back. But I I think if either one of these teams makes up that ground, it's probably going to be New Orleans. They're right there. They're two games back. This is getting very interesting. Knicks, by the way, play the Spurs in the third to last game of the season, I believe, or, or one of the last three at home to finish off the regular season. So, yeah, the Knicks play three at home, San Antonio, then Charlotte, then Boston, that Charlotte game and the Boston game could be big for playoff seeding, obviously, along with these road games out west. These games all have a big, big, big mark on what happens in the Western Conference as well. So it, it's very interesting to see how this would all go down. Last quick note here. The Rockets, the Timberwolves, and the Thunder all out of it officially. They can't make the playoffs mathematically. The Magic, the Clippers, oh my gosh, not the Clippers. The Magic, the Cavs, and the Pistons are all officially out in the East, although the Bulls could soon join them. The Raptors not looking so good at the moment. They're running out of time. They're three and a half back in the East, and the Kings getting very close to being on the block here and not making the playoffs as well, despite, again, this nice little surge they've been on. The Kings have won three games in a row, but I think it's going to be too little, too late, and I don't think the Kings will have enough time to make up the ground they need. Pelicans have the time. They have enough games here to potentially make up enough ground and get into the playoffs. However, tough part for the Pelicans, at least initially, is their schedule. Now, the Pelicans have been up and down all year, but this is not exactly a cakewalk of the last six games for them. They got Philly, Charlotte, Memphis, Dallas, and Golden State all on the road, by the way. And then finally, in the last day of the regular season, they host the Lakers. That's a tough stretch to finish the regular season. So Pelicans will earn it if they get it. 
But to be fair, if they win some of those games, Spurs have not exactly been playing all that well. Spurs have lost four in a row. They're playing the Jazz as we speak and are getting blown out in the second half. So, I, I listen, a lot can still happen down the stretch. If the Spurs keep losing, it could open up an opportunity for the Pelicans. Spurs play the Jazz. They're playing right now. They're getting blown out. Sacramento and Portland on the road. Two games are very much not gimmies. Bucks at home. Then they got to go to New York and play the Nets and the Knicks back-to-back. That's a tough stretch. And then, because of the way this scheduling works this season, the Spurs have to play the Suns back-to-back nights to finish the regular season. So the Spurs, who knows? They could leave the door open for the Zion Williamson train to cruise into the playoffs. I'll tell you what, the, the NBA is probably rooting for the Pelicans to pull it out, but we'll see. Spurs have lost to Miami, Boston, Philly, and Utah over the last four. The last time they won was in April. On April 26th, the crazy 146-143 overtime win over the Wizards. Goodness, crazy stuff still on tap in both of these races for the playoffs. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Guys, thank you so much as always for listening. I apologize if I sound a little bit rushed. A lot's going on right now. I'm moving again down to Florida for for most of the rest of the year. I won't be back in the tri-state area until October at the earliest, if not November. So I appreciate you hanging with me. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Next time I'll talk to you, I'll be down in Florida. So wish me luck. I wish all of you luck as always. Thank you guys as always for listening to the podcast and I will see you guys next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.